Thank you for listening to the Radiant Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at weareradiant.com. Well, if I haven't met you yet, my name is Aaron Burke. I'm the lead pastor here at Radiant Church, and I'm really pumped that you're here. Uh, We are starting a brand new series today on the book of Romans, the book of Romans. So if you have your Bibles, I want you to open up there to the book that I really believe this next 12 weeks or so is going to be transformative for your life. So if you, if you haven't been around Radiant for a while, let me just tell you what we do. We, we, about once a year, we take a book of the Bible or a passage of the Bible, and we preach a whole series off of that one passage or that one book. So we've done the book of James, we've done the book of Philippians, we've done Psalm 23, we did a bunch of other series. So we're going to do the book of Romans, which is my favorite book in all the Bible. Um, I love it. It's packed full of information. It's going to be hard for me to do this in only 12 weeks. So I'm telling you, you're going to learn. But let me just say this, and I want everybody's attention because the Bible is not just informative, it is transformative. So there's something for you to learn every single week that you're here. So I need you to do me a favor. I need you to lean in. I need you to take lots of notes and believe that by the time you leave today, you're going to leave here transformed. Can I hear an amen today? Church, I'm excited about it. Well, here, here's the four questions I ask whenever I'm reading a new book in the Bible. So the Bible has 66 books. Out of those books, whenever you read a new one, there's four questions I ask. Here's the first question. is that you want to know who the author is. You want to know who the author is. And the book of Romans was written by a guy by the name of Paul. And so Paul is an apostle that was not always a good Christian guy. The story goes that Paul was actually uh, a man, he went by Saul, and he was a heavy, a high religious leader that was in charge of a lot of the persecution of the first century church. So he hated the church, hated Jesus, hated the whole idea of what was going on with Christianity. And then one day, on the road towards uh, Damascus, Paul has an encounter with Jesus that changes his life, and he gives his life to the Lord gets called into ministry, ends up planting churches all over that area, and then ends up writing letters to churches. So Rome was not a church that he planted. It was a letter he wrote. So now we ask, now that we know who who wrote it, now we ask, who's the audience? And I kind of gave it away right there, but the name gives it away already. The, the, The audience is the church in Rome. So it's the church that's in Rome. So it's the people who are there, who are followers of Jesus. Now, Rome is a very unique and specific, very important city, and here's why. Because it was the the epicenter of everything in life and in culture. And so what happened in Rome went all over the world. I call it the opposite Las Vegas. Now, some of you guys have a past, so you know what I'm talking about. Because when you go to Las Vegas, the phrase is, whatever happens in Vegas... Oh, come on, this, 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 this service has a past. I know you all. <laughs> Whatever happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. Now, let me talk to some of you younger people. That's not the truth. <laughs> Whatever happens in Vegas will follow you many years of your life. I just want you to know that. So Rome was the city that what happened there spread throughout the rest of the world. That is why... Paul wrote the letter to the Romans because he knew what was going to be written would be spread everywhere. So now what is the purpose? Let's write it down. Here's the purpose is Paul wants to bring clarity in the midst of the chaos that's going on. So you have a new church, you have a young church, you have a lot of people who don't know what they believe. They don't know why they believe it. 
And now Paul is bringing direction to it. And Rome, this book is, is filled full of doctrine, filled full of doctrine. And here's why it's important. Actually, many people call it the gospel according to Paul. So you have four gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. All four of them give you a description of what happened in Jesus's life. But Romans is a gospel example of not what happened in Jesus's life, but what the results are because of what Jesus did. So it's packed full of doctrine so people know how to live, how to, how to operate, and who we are in Christ. And so here's the central message, and I want you to get it. It's very important. The central message is this phrase, the gospel, the gospel. And you got to get this today because you got to understand what this is all about and because you're going to hear this phrase, the gospel, all the time because the gospel simply means this. Write it down. It means good news. It means good news. And I don't know what you were raised in. I don't know your history with the church. I don't know what you, your, your scenario is when it comes to your upbringing. But I want to remind some people today that the gospel is still really good news for your life. I said it's really good news for your life. And so I know that we've kind of gotten distorted in this idea of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. So my goal is to bring clarity to the chaos in our world and to present you with what the gospel is over these next few weeks. And let's just hear how Paul describes it. The central phrase for this whole um, book can be found in Romans chapter one. So I challenge you to bring a Bible today, take out that Bible. I want you to turn to chapter one because I'm gonna have you underline some verses today. I think it'll be helpful for you. We're going to send, uh, scholars, theologians have all said that Romans chapter 1, verse 16 and 17 can sum up the entire book of Romans. And I want you to see it because it's going to be our passage for today. Verse 16 says it like this. For I am not ashamed of the what? Of the gospel. Very good. The gospel means what? Very good. You're with me today. Because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everybody who believes. First to the Jew and then to the Gentile. For in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. So here's what we're going to do over this series. Over this series, we're going to bring clarity to whatever chaos is in your life. Whatever chaos is out there about Christianity right now, and we're going to get back to our roots. So every one of these weeks, and you're not going to miss, want to miss a single one, every one of these weeks, I'm going to give you a statement, a declaration statement that starts with I am, so that you can figure out who you are because of the gospel and because of what Jesus did. And so today's I am statement is right there in your notes. That was all the intro to this whole series, and so you'll have to be with me for it. Week one, we're going to talk today about how I am unashamed of the gospel. I am unashamed of the gospel. I got you writing it down. Now, this is important because we live in a world that loves to shame you for being a Christian these days. They love to let you, hey, you can talk about anything. Don't talk about your faith. You know, don't bring that up. That, that, that's something for you. That's not for us. You don't need to talk about it. And we have this whole world where we talk about all these important things, but we're not allowed to talk about our faith. And Paul says, no, if you knew the gospel, 
You would be unashamed about it. You would be bold about it. And my desire for you, Radiant Church, at all of our campuses, is to instill a boldness inside of you for the gospel of Jesus Christ. That you walk around not shameful, but proud of what Jesus has done for you. Are you with me today, church? Now, now this is important because here's what unashamed means. Unashamed means acting openly without guilt or embarrassment. And there's a lot of things in your life that you are unashamed about. There's a lot of things that you're unashamed about, but you should be shameful about. And you flaunt them all the time. I think of when I was on the swim team growing up, I, uh, I, I did the swim team and I would compete on Saturdays. And I'll never forget because you'd have like eight of you going at the same time, but all eight of you got a ribbon when you finished. You know what I mean? Like a place ribbon. So I remember my friends would come over to my house and they would see, and I'd have like a whole, a whole like a counter top that was just filled with these ribbons and they all looked like this. This was like the majority of them. It's like that. Come on, how many had some of those growing up? Like, and I still have them. I still got a whole little chest of these things at home. I'm like, I'm proud of that. And my friend's are like, that's not something to be proud of. You're walking around like bold about something that you shouldn't be bold about. Uh, some of you guys, you're not, you're not unashamed about that, but you're unashamed. You walk around looking like this. You know what I'm talking about? You're like Cowboys fans. I mean, not to bring it up, but that's not something to be proud of. There should be some shame in that, if you ask me. Some of you guys, it's not that you're Cowboys fans, but you have these things at home. Like, there's, that's something to be shameful about. They're not real, they're not real pets, guys. I want to challenge you on this idea of being unashamed about the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let me give you an example. If this little container right here had the, the, the solution, the, the answer to all issues of cancer in the world today, whatever it is that you're dealing with, the cure was inside of this and it's handed to you and you're walking around with it. Let's say you approach somebody and they have cancer. There's nothing inside of you that would say, oh man. It would be too pushy of me to push this on them. Come on. And there's nothing about you to go, you know what? This is my personal thing. I'm just going to keep, I, I, listen, I, and maybe if they ask me about it, then I'll talk to them about it. No, 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 no. There's nothing about it that would be like, you know what? I'll just, I'll take it out only on Sundays. But, but, but you have to understand, if you really had the cure for cancer, you would walk around boldly going, I don't care what kind of cancer you got. I don't care how far along you are. I know the solution to whatever you're going through right now. And church, let me just challenge you today. Because we have a lot of Christians who are walking around and they're so shameful about their faith. Because the world has put us down. The world has ostracized us. They've told us to shut our mouths. And I'm believing a, a group of people are getting their boldness back to say, I am not ashamed of the gospel of what Jesus did for me. Can we give them some praise today, church? I wrote it down this way. When you truly know what the gospel is and what it does, you don't conceal it, you celebrate it. And most Christians are ashamed of their faith because they don't know what they actually have. So can I challenge you today 
to live in a life that is unashamed of the gospel. I'm gonna give you the reasons right out of Romans chapter one, first five verses, so you can follow along with me, of why we are unashamed. Here's the first one, write it down. I am unashamed because the gospel is from God. It's from God. Notice it's not a group of, of, of like smart people that got together. It's not some think tank of group that got together. The gospel is from God. Let's see it. Romans chapter one, verse one, Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus. Notice how he describes himself. Not a preacher, not a pastor, not a leader. He's a servant. That is the role of every Christian right there. He says, called to be an apostle and set apart for the gospel of what? I'll say it loud, of what? Yeah, he, he said, it's the gospel of God. He put it on him. It reminds me of my family. My wife will call me if I'm out of tra- town traveling. And I know why she's calling me every single time. Because she'll call me and she'll call me and it's normally during homeschool or during something with the kids. And she'll call me and she'll go, Aaron, I have one of your children right here. And they don't want to talk to you right now. They're very upset, but they're not listening. And I told them they're going to have to call their dad right now. And I'll say, put them on the phone. Put them on the phone right there. And you can hear them crying. You can hear them all upset. Uh, what's wrong? I told her not to call. Well, why weren't you listening? I don't know. Well, do you, and I'll, I'll, I'll get them on FaceTime and I'll look at them. I'll say, do you want me to come back to that house right now? No. What's my wife doing during that time? My wife is invoking a name that brings a little bit of weight to the situation. She's bringing something to the situation. She goes, hey, if you're not going to listen to me, listen to him. Because you know, he, he'll be serious about this thing. And this is what Paul's doing. Paul is saying, listen, off the bat, I want you to understand this. This is not my idea. This is not my thing that I've conjured up. This is not some group of people put this together. This is something that God himself orchestrated and planned and wants to present to you. God has a message for your life. He, Paul talks about God, write it on your notes, 144 times in the book of Romans. 144 times. That's a lot of times Paul going, hey, it's not about me. It's about God. Hey, it's, it, this isn't me. I know it's, this is what I'm saying is tough. God's saying this. So we listen to it because God is behind there. God is speaking to him. And by the way, it's not just God spoke it, but look at verse two. The gospel he promised beforehand through his prophets in the holy scriptures. So God not only planned it, he not only said it, he planned it long in advance. Like this was the plan from the very beginning. So God's not up in heaven and looking down at the earth and going, Oh no, look what just happened. There's never that moment where God hits his head and it's like, oh, I never saw that one coming. God saw them all coming, all right? He's not looking at it going, oh, that person got voted in. Oh, change of plans, guys. Let's figure this thing out. No, he, he's, he, he has this whole thing mapped out from the beginning. You can trust in the sovereignty of God that no matter what crazy thing goes on in the world, God is still good and God is still in control. Can I hear an amen today, church? The Bible says it like this. First Peter, he says, God chose him, talking about Jesus, as your ransom long before the world began. Now, this is huge because so many people are sitting there going, I don't, I don't know what the solution is. God's already got, gave the solution to you. And by the way, 
from the beginning, God, he didn't like create the garden. He's like, all right, good. It's all good. And then they ate the fruit and he's like, oh, bad call, bad decision right there. And then they go and they do the sacrifices and the sacrifices don't start working well. And he's not up in heaven going, all right, Jesus, I told you if these sacrifices don't work good, it's going to be your life. All right, you're the one, tag, you're it, you go there. No, you got to understand how this works. Jesus was the solution from the very beginning. There was no other plan B, no other plan C. Jesus was plan A for salvation of humanity. He even knew your mistakes and all of your failures, and yet he still loved you and called you and destined you. That's good news today, church. This whole thing was planned by God so I can be unashamed about it. Can I hear a better amen today, church? Number two. Number two is not I'm unashamed because the gospel is about Jesus. The gospel is about Jesus. The centerpiece of this entire thing is not us. Now, that's going to be hard for us as American Christians right now because we think everything is about us. But this whole message is not about us. It's not about our lives, even though it does impact our lives. It's not about our country, our politics, our justice, our happiness. This whole thing is about Jesus. And we got to keep it about Jesus, church. Here's how Paul said it. All right, look, look at this. This is super important. Verse 3. Regarding his son, talking about Jesus, who as to his earthly life, he was a descendant of David, and who through the resurrection uh, and who through the spirit of holiness was appointed the son of God in power by the resurrection of the dead, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Now we get a background on who Jesus is in this passage right here. So we say this whole thing's about Jesus. So who is Jesus? Write it down your notes this way. Jesus has a royal lineage in both his human ancestry. So we see he's from the line of David. So we see that line right there in the scriptures. So that was prophesied about, by the way, that the Messiah would come through the line of David. But then we also understand that he is from God. So we have divine ancestry. So he's, he's the right person naturally, and he's the right person supernaturally. He's the one we can put our hope in. Jesus comes, lives for 33 years, does supernatural miracles, raises the dead, teaches all the great things we see in the scripture, and then goes to the cross. Now, what's important about him going to the cross is that he foretold that he would die, that he would stay in the grave for three days, and that he would be raised again on that Sunday. Now, Jesus is worth following, but not because he foretold it, but because he did what he said he would do. It's a big deal. So what is the proof, and they, Paul just gave it to us, what is the proof that we can hang our hat on of Jesus' bold claims about being God. And the proof that we build our life on is this statement. It's the resurrection. That not only did Jesus say he would die and raise, be raised from the dead, but he did it. Let me just say this. If you like predict your death, burial, and resurrection, I'm gonna listen to you. Like I'm gonna follow everything you say. And not only did he raise, be raised from the dead, 500 people saw him. Many of those people went to the grave and were killed for their faith, for the belief in one thing, 
Not the belief in Jesus' teachings. Belief in one thing, that Jesus rose from the grave. That's a big deal. And through him, look at this. Look at verse 5. This is huge. Through him, we receive grace and apostleship to call all the Gentiles to the obedience that comes from faith for whose namesake? His namesake. For Jesus' namesake. It's always going to be about him. We are Jesus' people. We lift him up. We celebrate him. We build our life on him. And I don't know if there's anybody in here today that would say, you know what? Jesus is the thing that changed my life. Can I hear a better amen today, church? So let me just say this, that I, I want you to hear this really clear. Jesus is the hero of the story, not us. <laughs> Someone's got to get that, all right? So if you have any Marvel fans out there, You've put yourself in the wrong shoes the entire time. You thought you were the superhero that's going to come into the scene and change whatever situation you're in. You're wrong. You're actually the person in distress that has no hope and it looks all as lost. But the good news is that all is not lost because it's not about you. It's about the hero named Jesus who came and saved humanity. Can we give him some praise, church? And I'm unashamed about that. And you know why I'm unashamed? Because I don't have to defend me and I don't have to defend you and I don't have to defend this church because guess what? Jesus is still wildly popular in our world today. He is the one that can heal and transform anything that this world is going through. So I got my shoulders back because there is only one name that is this thing is all about and it's the name of Jesus. Told you the series is going to be good, somebody. I'm unashamed. Number three, write it on your notes. I'm unashamed because the gospel produces obedience. It produces obedience. I want you to see this. Look what he says in verse five. Through him, talking about Jesus, we receive grace and apostleship to call all the Gentiles to the what? Oh, say it loud. To the what? To the obedience that comes from faith. He gives us this thing. He says, listen, there's obedience that follows when you give your life to the Lord. I remember when I was 16 years old, I got radically saved. The group of friends that I was hanging out with before, I would try to still get around them once in a while, but I didn't want to partake in the jokes. I didn't, I didn't want to watch the same shows. I didn't want to party the way that we used to party. I remember because there wasn't a time that someone walked up to me and said, oh, great, you're a Christian now. Here's the rules that you need to follow. I, I don't know if that happened to you. That's not what happens. That's not what's going to happen when you give your life to the Lord today. We don't have them. The, here's a rule book for you to follow. What we had is we have now the spirit of God living on the inside of us. And there was, for some reason, the jokes that were funny before weren't funny anymore. The movies that were entertaining before weren't entertaining anymore. The way I spoke, just to, it, I didn't want to tear down anymore. I wanted to build up now. Something happened. What was that? I got saved. And when you get saved, things change in your life. Write it down your notes this way. Genuine faith is marked by a desire to please God. So I, I know, listen, this thing is not about rules and regulations and, and what you can and can't do. But when you truly give your life to the Lord, 
You walk out of here and you go, I just want my life to honor him now. I wrote it down this way. Right living doesn't save us. But right living is evidence that Christ has saved us. And I need you to get that. Because people have asked me, they're like, Aaron, I can't figure out what date it is. When, when was it that I really got born again? And my answer is always the same. When did things change for you? Because the result of a life that is surrendered to God is that things change in our life. And so when things start changing in your life, stop apologizing to the world about it. We have a bunch of Christians that are like, oh, I'm sorry, I can't do that. I feel bad. I know it's okay for you, but it's not okay for me. And you're always apologizing for the obedience you're showing to God. Bible actually says it this way. He says, he says, let your light shine before others. Here's why. Because if you'll let them, if you'll actually be a Christian to the world. Like live by some holy standards that God gives you. And look what the world's going to do. Let them see your good deeds. And you know what they're going to do? They're going to glorify our Father that is in heaven. So our, the world is not going to shun you because of your obedience to God. It actually, it's more attractive than you can imagine right now. Because it's so rare for people to actually be obedient to God that when somebody is, does, it, it is so bizarre to the world, they actually go, how do I get more of that? And you'll actually see your sin, friends get saved because of your obedience to God instead of you sitting there trying to hide it the whole time and make it about you. So, so write it down this way. It's a people who do not look like the world will actually be the people that change the world. So, so I'm not ashamed that there's things I don't do that the world does. I walk around with my chest high and I go, you know what? It's okay. You know why? Because I realize that God's changed me. It's the fruit of repentance that a life that is transformed. And if your life has never been transformed, today is your day. God's got you in the right place today. And no matter what you're going through, he can change you. Come on, give him some praise today, church. He's the God that can do that. He can change you. Number four, y'all still with me? Say yes. Love this. Number four, I am unashamed of the gospel because the gospel is for Everyone. It's for everyone. Katie and I went to Europe last uh, month for our anniversary. And so we saved up a bunch of miles and got a free ticket there. And, and then because of my status, not my status as a pastor, I'm not like a big deal. Um, I would love, love that, but that's not the case. Um, I, but because of my status with the airline, not only did we get a free flight, but we got upgraded to first class. Now that's a big deal. Now, if you get upgraded in America, domestically, it doesn't really matter. But you get upgraded on a nine-hour flight to Europe, that's a big deal. You're like laying down flat on a, on a, on a seat. Like, that's a big deal in the air. So, so we had this perk. It's a blessing. I didn't pay for it. It was awesome. So I remember we're sitting there at the gate in Atlanta, about to board this flight. And Katie and I have two different, very different personalities. Um, so my personality is like, God's blessed me, and I'm going to let you all know about it. So they, they get over the intercom. They're like, hey, we're, we're, you know, Delta One. We're loading Delta One first class right now. And so I'm like, 
You know, I'm walking, I got my bag. I'm like, you know, pushing people aside a little bit. Like, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm first class right now. Uh, they're calling me. Hiding my prayer first bracelet. You know, like, whatever. <laughs> Katie is so opposite than me. Katie is so opposite. She, she's like, well, I'm walking up. She's like hiding along the side to try to get up to the gate so nobody sees her. Like, she, she's the one that apologizes to everybody along the way. I'm sorry. We had free flights. It was like, sorry. He, it was his status. We did. You know, I'm like, Katie, just give it away for them. To, no, 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 no. You know, everybody's still got a little bit of flesh in them, right? So. <laughs> she was ashamed because the perk she had was not for everyone. And really, the more godly you are, <laughs> you would feel that. If we, the blessing you have, it's true. There's no secret around here, right? She feels it because she feels bad for everybody else. She's that person. They're walking by our seats, you know? And I'm just like, uh, <laughs> enjoy the back for the last next nine hours, you know? And she's like, sorry, sorry, sorry. Let me tell you, you never need to apologize for your faith. You never need to apologize for what God has done in your life. You know why? Because the gospel is for everyone. It's not a select group of some Christian church people. No, the gospel is for everybody. Look what he said in verse 5. Through him, we have received grace and apostleship to call how many? Oh, say it loud. To call how many? All the Gentiles, look what he says, all the Gentiles to the obedience that comes from faith. Look what Romans says, 1 verse 5 in the ESV. It says it this way, about the obedience of faith for the sake of his name among all the nations. The gospel isn't something that's for a select group. It's not an exclusive thing. That would be shameful for us to walk around and go, we have it. Y'all don't have it. You can't get it. No, we have it. You can have it. Let me show you how we can get it. Because the gospel's for everyone. I wrote it down this way. I said, God's will is that people from every nation, every tribe, every tongue, would hear the gospel and experience this power to change their life. So I don't know your background, but I want you to know the gospel is for you today. The gospel is for you today. If you're white, guess what? Come to Jesus. If you are black, come to Jesus. If you are brown, come to Jesus. If you're short, come to Jesus. If you're tall, Come to Jesus. If you're an American, here's some good news. You can come to Jesus. If you're not from this country, guess what? That's okay. You can come to Jesus. If you're a refugee, you come to Jesus. If you're from the Middle East, you come to Jesus. If you're a Republican, guess what? You can come to Jesus. And if you're a Democrat, guess what? You can come to Jesus. If you're straight, you come to Jesus, and if you're gay, you come to Jesus. You're rich, you come to Jesus. You're poor, you come to Jesus. The Bible says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Can we take a second and thank him that whoever wants to come can come to Jesus. It's all about him. You're not excluded from this thing. 
It's about you. It's for you. So you go, well, I've got all this sin. That's exactly what qualifies you. Because Jesus came for the sinner. And he came for the broken. The good news, the gospel is good news. Write it on your notes this way. Because it is the only message that can transform any person and any location with any situation. And that's good preaching right there. And I don't know what situation you walked in here with, but the gospel can change your life. It's for everyone. Paul says, I am obligated to both the Greeks and the non-Greeks, both the wise and the foolish. That's why I'm so eager to preach the gospel to you who are in Rome. I love that. You, there's some foolish people. You go, I've made some dumb mistakes. Perfect. Paul called you out. He says, even people that have made some dumb mistakes, the gospel is for you. Number five, if you're still with me, say yes. I love this. Number five, I am unashamed because the gospel is powerful. It's powerful. It's not some self-help, good vibes talk. The gospel that is presented in the scriptures is powerful. Look what he says in Romans chapter one. For I am unashamed. I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God. The same power that created the universes. That's what he's talking about. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead. That's what he's talking about. So I don't know what's messed up in your life, but I know the answer is the power of God to come through and bring salvation to your life. And he says, it's the power of God unto salvation. Here's the word salvation. Here's what it means. It doesn't just mean salvation from your sins, even though it does include your sins. It means a holistic transformation. Everything in your life changes when God's power comes into your life. So you come to Jesus all broken, and you come to Jesus all messed up. And you know what he promises? He promises total forgiveness. That's salvation. Total healing. That's salvation. Total breakthrough in whatever relationship you're in. That's the salvation of God. And I don't know what you're struggling with today, but I know the answer is the power of God through the gospel. I wrote it down this way, because true life will never be achieved because of self. You can't get yourself out of it. You can't work yourself out of it. You can't hope yourself out of it. But because of Christ's sacrifice. This is what this whole thing is about. Paul opens it up and says, listen, this thing is powerful. It's powerful. And, and I want you to know this today. It's not just powerful back then. It's powerful in 2022. Because we're seeing it. Just a few weeks ago, I heard of the story of a teenager far from God. Parents have been praying for him. Thought, man, there's no hope. There's no hope this kid's never going to follow the Lord. In a, in a service, experiences the gospel. Gives his life to the Lord. Gets baptized. The gospel is still changing lives today. Can we give God some praise for that today, church? Just a couple weeks ago, we had a couple dozen children get baptized in our services. Lives forever marked. Why? Not because of some self-help experience or some good talk. No, because the gospel invaded their life. The power of God came in and their life is forever marked and forever changed. Don't tell me the gospel doesn't have power. 
just at uh, revival nights down here. I was praying for a couple and they wanted prayer about some other issue, but they said, hey, I just want you to know this. Six months or so or whatever, we walked in here and our marriage was over. And we got in this room and God invaded our life, transformed us. We both recommitted our life to the Lord and we now, God has rescued our marriage. The gospel has power. Can we give them some praise today, church? So Paul says, I'm gonna not be ashamed about it. So don't be ashamed about the fact that our gospel, it comes from God. It's about Jesus. I'm telling you, it's gonna produce obedience in you. It's for everybody and it has power. That's a gospel we do not need to be ashamed about. Amen, church? So two questions that we're done. First question is this, simply this, is have you experienced the gospel power in your life? You know what that means? Have you been born again? Have you truly surrendered your life to Christ? And if you haven't, I want you to know this, you're in the right place today. You're on the right group today. We're gonna give you an opportunity right there in your seat. And I believe there's dozens right here in this room, right at all of our campuses. They're gonna make the biggest, most significant decision of their life to say, today's my day. I'm surrendering my life to Christ. And I believe God's gonna meet you. Here's the second question for our, our church is, are you ashamed of the gospel? Are you ashamed? Like, like, and here's how you know if you're ashamed of it, ready? Are you sharing it with others? If you're carrying around the cure for what humanity's dealing with, which is sin, then I'm gonna share it with everybody I know. I'm gonna find friends to talk about. I'm gonna find ways to insert it in conversations. Well, I don't wanna be pushy. You would not feel like that if you had the cure for cancer and they had cancer. You go, no, I'm gonna figure out ways. I'm looking strategically every conversation I had. How can I put the gospel in this? How can I present Jesus in this situation? Make it all about the gospel. It's all about him. Here's what I'm gonna do. One of the most difficult altar calls I'll ever do in my entire life. But the Bible, the, the message today is I'm unashamed of the gospel. So I'm not gonna do some secret, close your eyes, maybe lift a hand. I want to find out today who are the people who God is drawing, who God's pulling at their heart to say, this is your day of salvation. This is your moment to go all in with Jesus. And if that's you today, on the count of three, I'm going to have you make the most bold decision you'll ever make in your entire life. In front of a few hundred of your friends, I'm going to have you stand up and you're going to go, today's my day. I'm giving my life to Christ. And watch what happens. A couple of things. First of all, nobody's going to shame you in this room. This room is gonna celebrate the best decision you'll ever make in your entire life. It's a big deal. But some people at ease, we've done this in multiple services now, and there's been tons of people that have stood to their feet. So, so don't make it up. But even if nobody else stands up, you, you make a bold decision to say, today's my day. I'm giving my life to Christ. I'm not going back and forth anymore. I'm going all in with God. And I'm telling you, he'll meet you in just a second. And when you stand up, that decision right there is going to change everything. So I don't know where you're at in your journey, but I know the solution starts here with you surrendering your life to Christ. You ready? You ready to celebrate them when they stand? If that's you, the Holy Spirit's curling, tugging in your heart. Don't resist it. Don't push it aside. Say, okay, this is my moment. I, if I'm the only one, it's okay. I'm making a decision to go all in, to be unashamed, to give my life to Christ. Today is my day. If that's you, on the count of three, raise your hand. I mean, stand up right in your seat. One, Two, 
three. Come on, stand to your feet right now. Thank you, 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 thank you. Stay standing, stay standing, thank you. Come on, that's a big deal. I believe, I believe there's like four more just in this room right now. If that's you, you stand to your feet right now. Come on, that's you, you stand to your feet, you say, that's me. God's pulling on your heart, make it a big deal. It's your day. Thank you, thank you. At all of our campuses, if that's you, you stand to your feet. Now, I just want you to know this, when you stand to your feet, that's the biggest decision you'll ever make in your entire life. And we're not gonna leave you there alone. So Radiant Church, let's celebrate our friends right now. Come on, stand to our feet, let's celebrate it right now. That's a big deal, it's a huge deal. Bible says that all of heaven is celebrating your decision right now. So you've done it with your life. You said, I'm gonna give Jesus my life. We're gonna pray a prayer. I believe it's gonna seal the deal. You're gonna walk out of here forever changed, unashamed of the fact that I've gone all in with Jesus. I'm so proud of you, Radiant. So proud of you guys. Let's pray this prayer together out loud. Say, dear Jesus, come on, say it loud. Dear Jesus, today I give you my life. I give you my sin, forgive me, wash me clean for the rest of my life. I'm gonna follow you. You are my Lord and my Savior. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody that believes it says, come on one more time, celebrate the life change that has happened. Thank you for listening to the Radiant Church Podcast. For service times or giving options, visit us at weareradiant.com.